You are Locked On Irish, your daily podcast on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is the Locked On Irish Podcast, your daily source for Notre Dame Athletics audio content, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Today's episode on this wonderful Monday morning that you're tuning into us, we are going to recap and share our takeaways from the victory over Kentucky. We will also address more surprising changes to the betting line on the Notre Dame-Clemson game. And then lastly, we will share our thoughts on how the college football playoff is currently impacted by two negative performances by schools in Florida. Before we get into that, folks, I am Joe DeLeon, joined by Ryan Roberts. I'm a former college football player from the University of Rhode Island, and Ryan is the director of scouting at NFL Draft Bible. So, Ryan, we finally got a strong win for this Notre Dame basketball team. It's a tough one to evaluate because they were up by 24 points at one point, and they end up only beating Kentucky by one point at the very end of this game. And it came down to Kentucky basically fumbling away what should have been a game-winning shot for them, but they completely botched that opportunity. 64-63 to 63 was the final score. Nate Lashevsky has the most points in this performance. He has 21 points and nine rebounds. Prentice Hub, 18 points. And then Juwan Durham, surprise, surprise, only has four rebounds. It's also worth noting that Jogo was the highest minute contributor off the bench, only getting 16 minutes, um, which is more than we typically see with some of these bench players. They also finished the day 33% from three-point range, which was a lot lower than what it was in the first half. But Ryan, I want to get into discussing what I think is on everybody's mind right now. This is a game where you're up 24 at Kentucky against a young but talented Kentucky team, and you allow them to storm all the way back. And the clear answer, the reasoning for that happening, it's as simple as saying that the starters who played over 35 minutes this game, again, were absolutely dead tired to the point where they were making critical mistakes and could not hit their shots in parts where they needed to. They could have lost this game. And again, the reasoning is because their starters were dead tired from playing over 37 minutes. Yeah, I mean, four out of the five guys are playing 37 minutes. My Juwan Dorm having a big game conversation was not very good in this game either because he only had four points and four rebounds. He was dealing with some personal um, personal foul again. issues. He ended up with four, 20, only 22 minutes total. Again, exactly, I know. he um, Not really showing up for Dorm. This was not the, the recipe for success that I thought going into this game. They really were able to space the floor in the first half. They were up 48-26 at halftime. Leshevsky was shooting out of his mind. Everybody just, everything was dropping in that first half. But for, and at the end of the day, you know, they beat Kentucky. Kentucky does not look like a great basketball team this year. But at the end of the day, you know, you got the victory. So you're going to feel good to a degree. But man, getting outscored 37 to 16 in the second half, your offense went completely cold. You turned the ball over 16 times. 
for as good as a win should feel, this one feels a little stressed. You know, it, it's it's not as sweet as it should feel for Notre Dame, unfortunately. And there's a lot of holes in this team. There's a lot of holes in this roster. They don't have the depth. When they, when they again, in that second half, when attrition starts hitting, they're just not the same basketball team that they look like they could be in the first half. Because, hey, in that first half, Again, you're against a Kentucky team that is only that is now one and four on the year, so it's not like they're playing a power in Kentucky this year. But in the first half, you felt good, man. Like you felt like, hey, this team, if they're off to a solid start and they're playing this well, they're hitting their open shots, like you can compete with some of the better teams in college basketball. But then that second half hits and you see that there's some de- debilitating parts of Notre Dame's roster when they aren't hitting those shots, when it went cold, when they started turning the ball over in the second half, they don't have the guys you know, in, in the front court, the big men, to really consistently affect the game offensively and defensively. There's a lot of holes in this roster. It's a victory at the end of the day, but it's not one that you're really coming out of and saying, like, wow, that was an impressive victory comparative to how you were feeling in that, in that first half, when that first half was coming to an end. Right. This game is really hard to buy stock in because this first half Notre Dame team is exactly what you want to see. Coming in, stepping on the throat of a young opponent that's still trying to figure its stuff out and completely demolishing them. What we saw from Notre Dame is promising because that's what this team has the potential to become if they can play that quality of of, of offensive production in both halves but right now they are not going to be able to do that unless Mike Bray is willing to rotate in some more of these bench players now he mentioned that Jogo was slightly banged up he's not 100% healthy they're trying to work him back and I think that maybe that's part of the issue he's supposed to be that sixth man they're not going to be able to get him into the rotation more until he's fully healthy The one thing I do want to just acknowledge here to Ryan before we wrap up this Kentucky recap, I think that they were killed on the offensive rebounds. And I know the box score doesn't truly reflect that. There was only a couple rebound difference. I think they only allowed 10 offensive rebounds to Kentucky. But in the second half, in a lot of spots where they were able to force good misses and contest some shots, They weren't aggressive in chasing down offensive rebounds, which led to a lot of second-chance points by Kentucky. And I think a lot of those possessions were critical in this game because you get those offensive rebounds, instead of them going on the the multiple runs that they went on, they went on two different runs. Those runs shorten really quickly when you're able to track that ball down. It also kills the confidence of a team when they're missing the first shot and they also don't get the rebound because then you control the next possession instead of giving them two opportunities to make a play. So that needs to be cleaned up, in my opinion. That was one big thing that just kept killing them towards the end of this game. And you could also point a little bit to like Jawan Dorham, four rebounds from him is is horrendous. That's supposed to be your low Low post guy, strong rebounder, supposed to be contesting a lot of shots in the paint, and I didn't see any of that from him. And I know I feel like I keep bashing Jawan Dorham. I really want him to prove me wrong. I really want to come on here and say, hey, Jawan Dorham is proving me wrong. But right now he's just continually proving my points correct. Yeah, no, I mean, and you have every right to feel the way you do because it's it's something, too, where you're talking about the lack of depth, which is obviously a big issue. The other part of the big issue there is if you are having guys like Juwan Dorham who are getting into foul trouble and you're already light in the front court as far as size, 
which, you know, obviously re rebounds, you know, that, that is directly related to that size, that length. That, that's how we rebound. But for a team here that is so depleted in the sense of like, hey, in the second half, we're tired now, man. Like we're playing guys 37-plus minutes. If you don't have a ton of size on the court, you need constant effort to be able to get in the solid positioning for rebound situations. I think that really caught up with them is just the fact of like, hey, man, this depth is affecting them not only on the scoreboard, in the effort parts of situations, in the ability to be in solid positioning. Like it is affecting us in the worst possible ways. So it's it's just really it's a really difficult situation right now because I, I don't know how they're going to create depth on this team because I just don't think that they have it. You know, it's it, I think it's pretty easy to say like, hey, Mike Bray, you need to play more players. If you don't have the depth, though, like is 70% of Ryan or 70% of Juwan Dorm or 70% of Leshevsky or Prentice Hub, like are those guys better than 100% of Zona or Sanders? Like it's, I think it's a really difficult conversation to have, which makes it so tough. So I don't think there's like an easy situation or an easy fix for this conversation. It just kind of looks like this is the hand that Notre Dame has been dealt with, and they just don't have the ability to create the depth that they need right now. I would argue, though, that the last two games blowing leads is a pretty clear indication that it's better to put those bench players in than to run your starters into the ground and have a 60, 60 or 70% energy starter. You know, Prentice Hub, who's supposed to be your best player, was making a lot of critical mistakes. The, I point to the issues he had just inbounding the ball and getting the ball off of inbounds towards those final five minutes. He made some really stupid mistakes that led to some really easy baskets by Kentucky, and I don't want to fault him for that. I'm more so faulting the fact that he was dead tired and he had limited energy to, to even really do anything. Coming up, we are going to discuss how this spread is changing for the Notre Dame-Clemson game in the ACC Championship game. Before we get to that, though, folks, I want to talk to you about my favorite beer out there, Coors Light. This past weekend on Saturday, I was kicking it, relaxing, watching some sports. I was watching Notre Dame basketball in the in, uh, at 12 o'clock on Saturday. Was not drinking yet, but at nighttime, I was drinking Coors Light. These days, it seems like life forces us to be on all of the time, but every now and then, it's important to stop and hit that reset button. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It is mountain cold refreshment made to chill. I know that I need to hit that reset button towards the end of the week, and the way that I do it is by grabbing that Coors Light. Coors Light wants you to know no matter what you're watching, Saturdays are your time to chill. Even if your team isn't playing, there are still plenty of teams and sports on TV that can give you an excuse to chill and drink a beer. It doesn't matter what team or sport is on, Coors Light is the official beer of watching any team or sport just to drink beer. So flip through the channels, find a sport, and crack open a Coors Light. Coors Light is the one that I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that is made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Coming up on Tuesday's show, we are going to hear from Douglas Farmer of ND on NBC. He's going to share his thoughts on the ACC championship game and some other key takeaways from the Notre Dame season thus far. Ryan, I, I, I want to <laughs> I want to address 
this betting line here that we have for the ACC championship game, something that we already talked about and the disrespect towards Notre Dame, we end up talking about something so trivial that I, I never thought that we'd be talking about betting lines this much because I don't think either of us are really betting-oriented people. We don't really focus that much on sports betting. But it's interesting to note that the betting line for this game, Clemson is now at minus 10 for the ACC championship game. This thing continues to grow. I, I'm just shocked. I don't. I can't believe that many people are picking Clemson to win this game that they're progressively pushing towards a, a 10-point win. Yeah, it's – I mean, we had the conversation about seven and a half. I wasn't too – I don't want to say upset. I wasn't too shocked that the line was seven and a half after being five against DJ Uyel and Lele. Like, I, I kind of expected that uptick, even though it's at a neutral site stadium. So, like, I think there's some push either way on that type of conversation. Going up to 10, though, like, you're right. I'm not a huge bet, betting guy, but – I may put some money on this game for Notre Dame just to cover that 10 points. Like that just seems so absurd to me. We think that we think that Notre Dame, the Notre Dame team we've seen all year, which has come up in in the toughest situations, which has played phenomenal defense like I mean we're going to talk about Miami, right? In a little bit, but like that rushing attack for North Carolina that Miami saw yesterday, Notre Dame shut them down. Absolutely shut them down. So held Travis Etienne below 30, 30 yards rushing in the game. The best players that they've seen, they've been able to neutralize. I, while I know Trevor Lawrence is, hey, probably the best quarterback to come out for, since at least Andrew Luck, maybe since John Elway, like he might be that caliber of player. I understand that he's going to uptick your ability to win a football game. But 10 points, man, that is <laughs> – that's that. I mean, in an, in an ACC, in a conference championship game, there's a 10-point line on one undefe- against an undefeated team. I think that is extremely disrespectful, and I don't really take lines that seriously. But I saw this, and I was just like, "That is, that's absurd. That's absurd that that the money has now dictated this push to ten points for Notre Dame, which might not necessarily mean that all the money is going on Clemson. It might mean that not enough money is going on Clemson, so they're going to move the points up. So now maybe there's there's more action on the game in general because now people might be more liable to bet up for Notre Dame to cover that ten. So maybe there's just not enough action." But still, at this point, like a 10-point line in this game is it's astronomical and it doesn't make any sense to me. Right. That's so tricky. I, I can't believe it. It's so nutty that we have a line for an undefeated team playing a team that they already beat. And that team that was beat this first matchup, that it was missing one player. And the player who started in his favor had a fantastic game that he probably wouldn't have had a better performance than than the young guy who stepped in, DJU Youngalele. It's just all these things that come into play here. It's You have to bring up something like this because I just don't understand how we're at this point, especially seeing what happened to Miami, which we're going to talk about soon. I don't know how you can be less bought in on Notre Dame that we're starting to see the line change as it is. And I, I know that the, the shifting of the line is a little bit based on, actually is significantly based on, how people are betting and how they're using their money and how they're deciding to go about this game. It's just, it's so weird. It's just so strange to see that Clemson is a 10 point favorite. You don't see 10 point lines for games that are supposed to be close between two really good teams. Like not, not against a team that's 10 and over versus a nine yeah. and one team or whatever the records are right now. Like it doesn't make any sense. And especially 
Because, like, all right, the, the, like the, the mindset that people have about Notre Dame that we talked about last week that has not changed yet is Notre Dame can't win the big one. They needed a COVID year. They needed a Clemson team that didn't have Trevor Lawrence. I get why people have their doubts about Notre Dame. I truly do. I, from an outside perspective, I understand it. But every time this year, Clemson, even Boston College, North Carolina, people have been calling for Notre Dame to lay a goose egg, and they haven't done it yet. They haven't done it yet. At what point do you stop, look back, and say, hey, Notre Dame's a good football team. And even if they lose to Clemson, it's probably going to go down to the wire because they have shown us this year that this team is probably different than the preconceived notions that people have about them. In a few minutes, we are going to address the current college football playoff outlook Folks, if, if, if you're already wondering how much more we're going to keep talking about this college football playoff outlook, I can guarantee you this is not going to be the last time. Things are going to keep changing, and that is, even though the ACC championship game is important, that is going to be the main key focus if Notre Dame is going to be in a position to compete for a national championship. In a few minutes, we're going to get to that before we do. Ryan, why don't you share a message from our one of our favorite sponsors, a bar that is fantastic. And we're, we're talking about a lot of change today. One thing that hasn't changed is that Built Bar is still the best protein bar on the market. What has changed, though, they even have a more improved flavor for their Built Bar, which is even more delicious than it was before. Comes in 18 amazing flavors, including both non-nut and nut flavors for your for your uh, dietary restrictions. Six new flavors on top of the 12 original, including caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond dip. Try, uh, apple almond crisp. Try to say that seven times fast. The 12 <laughs> original flavors that I mentioned about. Coconut almond, raspberry, German chocolate cake, peanut butter, banana bread, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, which is absolutely the best bar I've ever had amongst others here. The all bars are covered in 100% real dark chocolate. They are soft and easy to chew. Built Bar is great for the health-conscious guy on the go. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging on one of these delicious treats. The bars are all low-calorie, low-sugar, but also have high-protein, high-fiber, and they're great for the keto diet on top of everything. Flavor profiles, some of them peanut butter, uh, which has 19 grams of protein, only 180 calories, only 5 grams of sugar, and they only have 5 grams of net carbs. So as you can see by these by these profiles, these things are not only delicious, but they're also great for you. Other other um, recipes for coconut almond, cherry barcia, cookies and cream, all are about the same as far as the carbs, the calories, the sugar. They're all good for you while also being great for you. Built Bar has also reset the promo code for their relaunch. Now with you will get a, a free cooler with the purchase while supplies last. So take advantage of the opportunity today. You can go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code Locked On. That's all capital, Locked On, and you'll get 20% off of your next order. Use promo code Locked On for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Folks, if you're not already, go hit that subscribe button so you can stay up to date on every single show thus far and any shows in the future for your daily Notre Dame Athletics content five 
days a week. Also, fans, NBA fans, listen up. The Locked On NBA podcast is getting you ready for the start of the regular season with a special week of team preview podcast all this week. Plus, waiver wire additions from Locked On Fantasy Basketball and rookies to watch from draft guru Chad Ford. I will be tuning into this, uh, to these episodes, and also I'm going to be listening to uh, you know the preview of Locked On Clippers. I'm a big Clippers fan, so I'm going to be tuning into that. Subscribe to Locked On NBA wherever you get your podcasts. Ryan, we have to discuss continuously things that are impacting Notre Dame's chances of making it to the college football playoff, and it just so happens things go perfectly this weekend, even with Notre Dame not even playing. So Florida, who is considered to be in a spot to possibly hop over Notre Dame. A lot of people were saying, how the heck does have Florida not have a spot in the playoff? Why does Notre Dame automatically get in if they lose to Clemson? And, and of course, in sweet fashion, bittersweet, actually not even bittersweet, just fantastic possible way that it could happen in any other way. They lose to LSU this weekend. A loss to a team that has a below 500 record, and this loss completely takes them out of the conversation. They are now nowhere near in a position to make it in, into the playoff after losing to LSU. Yep, has zero chance now with the two-loss Florida team. Man, it, I've, I've been saying this for several weeks, and I, I feel like it's just so ridiculous. You know, we're talking about Florida here specifically. It's like offense is fun. Kyle Trask has had a great season. Got a couple nice running backs. Got Kadarius Toney. Have Kyle Pitts, even though he's been you know a little off injured at points. But as good as that offense is, is how bad that defense is. We always talk about how Notre Dame might be arguably the most balanced team in the country. Nobody wanted to see Florida's defense in the college football playoffs. Let's be serious here. And now with this second loss, even if they somehow upset Alabama, which is not going to happen. Like it's just, it's just not going to happen. If you look at these two teams. I give it about a good 0% chance that Florida can beat Alabama. Even if that happens, no chance to make the playoffs here. And I think it's good for the state of the college football playoff in an odd year not to see a team, because this reminds me of like the Oklahomas that keep you know getting in the college football playoff over the last couple of years. Great offense, terrible defense. At the end of the day, you knew they weren't going to compete against guys like Alabama, the Clemsons of the world. I felt the same as, as that as I did about this Florida team. As much as they can score, they don't have the defense to, to keep pace with some of the better teams in college football. And we saw you know, Florida lose to a team like LSU, who's had a terrible season. And Kyle Trask threw a couple of interceptions, which has been uncharacteristic of his season so far. But at the end of the day, man, that defense just is not good enough. It's not good enough. They're out of the conversation. And they very well should be. Now we have that defining moment to prove that they don't even belong in. And it's just so ridiculous that people were even saying that Florida, if they lost to Alabama, they'd still earn a spot in the playoff. I think that that was completely ridiculous. It just makes the case so much easier when they lose to a below 500 SEC team. It's it's the fullest amount of proof that you need to say, this Florida team was fun. They're talented. They've got a, you know, a couple NFL pieces on their offense, and they're going to play probably pretty well in their bowl game. But college football playoff worthy? No, no shot. Not even close. I, I also want to hit on Ryan. Miami, their loss to UNC has, has two key pieces to this. So some people particularly Miami fans and just fans of college football in general were a little peeved that Miami wasn't given a chance 
to play against Notre Dame in the ACC championship game. And, and heck, they were even arguing, like, oh, how, how do they not work into the equation? Candace Cooper, actually, when I, I appeared on the Locked On College Football podcast, that's going to be airing on Monday. You can listen to it today if, if you want to – or sorry, not whenever you're listening to this, you can go listen to it. And she said, what do you say to people that, that believe Miami should have had a chance in the ACC championship game? And I said, Miami's not that good. Miami's not as good as you think they are. They're not good. And we saw that in the worst possible way. It's not like they lost to UNC. A, lo- a loss to North Carolina is one thing. But to lose 62-26 to 26 in a game that you're supposed to be competitive, get the hell out of here. You didn't belong in the conversation in the first place. By not it, We talk about Florida not being in the conversation. Miami's not even close. Well, and, I mean, and we we have similar rep. I mean, we have a similar, um, like, so we can look at some parts of the schedule and, and look at some similarities we've had with with Miami, right? Like they got th- they got thralled against by Clemson. Like they got absolutely destroyed. They get destroyed now against North Carolina. There, this was never a conversation because honestly, who's the best team that Miami has beaten? Tell me who the best team they've beaten is. What's their resume look like? It's not good, man. And it helps us especially because a team in North Carolina that we shut down. Uh, I think Michael Carter had like 57 yards rushing. Javonta Williams had 28 yards or, or um, 28 yards on 11 carries. Right. Like we absolutely shut the running game down that day, especially in the second half. 17 points total. We saw yesterday. I mean, Michael Carter had over 300 yards. Javonta Williams had over 200 yards. They had over 500 yards rushing just by themselves on the day, which is absolutely ridiculous. Most teams don't even average 500 yards of total offense in a game, and those guys had two, 500 and something yards total rushing just in a single game. And Notre Dame defense is showing the caliber they are week in, week out. And because we see these guys, North Carolina against every other team, has seemed to be able to run the football with high efficiency and being able to score a bunch of points with high efficiency. It's, it's becoming just, man, like – People just need to look have the eye test to a degree. Because, like, I know Miami went to the game 8-1. and one, But if you watch Miami, I mean, I told someone before the game yesterday. I actually called the upset yesterday on the morning show, if you want to go back and listen to it. it there is – there is so, well, not upset. But it, was, it wasn't really an upset, even though number 10 versus number 17. But that's another story for another day. But I knew that they were going to lose because the, Miami just has not had any impressive wins. They are – they're a fraud. To be very honest with you, they are a fraudulent team. They are pretending to be a contender all year. They never should have been a top 10 team in the country. Miami has been a, a falsity. They've been a farce the entire season. Let it end. The U is back. People keep telling me that every year. It still hasn't happened yet. I, I want to wrap with the point that you you just made, though, at the beginning of that that point you, you, you discussed. This ultimately helps Notre Dame's resume. And I know it seems... It seems crazy that we're just like continually adding things on to say that like, well, this helps Notre Dame. This helps Notre Dame. You need as many things as possible in a absolute dire spot if something goes wrong and you don't play well in the ACC championship game to make it into the college football playoffs. So something like this, you stop UNC, you shut them down defensively, and then UNC demolishes a program that is supposed to be the 10th best team in the country. That is a true indication of how good you are in the hierarchy of the ACC. That is the final nail in the coffin for me, the final stamp that you slap on the resume before you send it into the committee by saying, look who we beat 
And then also look at the teams that the teams we beat have beat. We are beating some of the best football programs in the country, and we are going to give you the most competitive outcome in the college football playoff. If you pick Texas A&M or, or Cincinnati over us, you are going to significantly regret it because we will beat the crap out of who we play in a bowl game if you choose not to bring us in. And that, that's what makes it so bad about the Clemson conversation, too, about the point spread, is Notre Dame, if you look at the schedule also, they've been a better team on the road this year than they have been at home. They've been more impressive. So, like, why is, why is like, there's just this, this, this notion that Notre Dame's going to lay a goose egg in this, in this environment, in a, you know, in, in a hostile environment, quote-unquote, in a, you know, a neutral site game? Like, I just don't understand where this disrespect is, is consistently coming from, man. Time in and time out, like you're saying, we are proving that this might be a different Notre Dame team than maybe the letdowns that we've had in the past. This is not the 2012 team which was a good team, but hey, at the end of the day, they weren't with Alabama. Notre Dame can compete with Clemson. They can compete with the best teams of the country, and I'm excited for the next opportunity they have this week coming up against Clemson to show that the first time was not a fluke, that they can indeed compete with the best in all of college football. Folks, that is going to be it from today's Monday episode of Locked on Irish. Share your thoughts if Notre Dame needs anything else to work their way into this college football playoff. If you think it is a done deal, a 100% lock, tweet at us at LockedOnIrish. Let us know your thoughts. Also, follow uh, me on Twitter at Joe DeLeon and follow Ryan at Rise and Draft. Tuesday's episode, you're going to hear our interview with Doug Farmer, who's going to talk to us about the Notre Dame season thus far. And then later in the week, uh, we are going to preview Notre Dame's next men's basketball matchup, which is against ACC rival Duke. If you enjoy the show so far, please hit that subscribe button and leave us a review. Give us some positive feedback if you like listening to the show. Lastly, need something to tune into? I got two for you, folks. Go check out Locked On College Football. Here are my thoughts on the future for the ACC championship game. And also head to Locked On NBA if you're looking to hear some previews for your best and favorite teams in the NBA. We'll talk to you on Tuesday, folks. Have a wonderful rest of your day.